Welcome to Genesis NFT by NFT's What The Fuck, hosted by me, Jamie Burke. We're doing a retrospective on the history of NFTs, its key moments and people, from counterparty to rare pepes, crypto punks and kitties, from Xcopy to Pack, and people's record auction. With the stories from the people inside the hurricane and hear their hopes and fears for its future, these episodes, now over 16 hours have been recorded, will be turned into a single audio documentary released as an NFT time capsule. Follow at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the drop on Twitter. So my name is Gabby Dizon and I got into NFTs coming from the world of gaming. So I've been a game developer since 2003. In 2014, I put up a mobile game studio called Altitude Games. And in 2017, we heard about the Ethereum and the concept of smart contracts. And uh, yeah, we decided to uh, research about smart contracts to see how it could disrupt the gaming space. And it was there while we were researching that uh, CryptoKitties came out and uh, popularized the, the term non-fungible token. And I've been deep in the NFT space ever since. So yeah, I've been in NFT since 2018. We released a game called Battle Racers on Decentraland in 2019. And in the past year, I've been very deep on the intersection of NFTs and DeFi. Cool. So could you tell us um, how you think about NFTs, what they, what they mean to you? Okay. So for me, NFTs is a unique something. And that something can be many different things. So for, for a lot of people, it's artwork. For some people, it's media. For some people, it's an asset like a game item. It could be a collectible. Bitcoin and Ether and all of that, they're all fungible, right? So they're, they're inexchangeable. And what makes NFTs interesting is that you can basically put anything unique on top of it. And that gives it sort of similar to a physical characteristic with its scarcity and uniqueness. And that's what makes it super interesting for me. So you, you talked a little bit about in your intro how you got into NFTs. Could you kind of give us more more detail on that journey? So I guess were you were you arriving at Ethereum and NFTs specifically in the context of gaming? And you know, did that evolve or change? Yeah, it was definitely in the context of gaming. And in all of 2018 we were preaching about how NFTs would revolutionize uh, games and put all of the items and games in the blockchain. And, you know, it's taken a while. Um, and even though games uh, with NFTs in them have come out in the last three years, I think it's only recent the rest of the world is really starting to notice. So what were the defining moments for you in in the NFT space? What What are the moments which really move the space forward in terms of innovations, people, or kind of like events that could be like market-based events? Yeah, so for me, it was the collision of NFTs and DeFi that that made uh, the space really take off. So for example, in 2019, I bought our very rare Axie along with uh, my friend Silituna. So we bought uh, Almes uh, for 27.5 ETH. And then last year, we fractionalized it into ALMX token via Niftex. So we, we took a rare NFT, we, we created an ERC20 token with 10,000 shards, and we, we basically sold that token to other people. And from the initial 27.5 ETH, it actually reached a high of around 800 Ether. And now it's a little, just a little bit lower than that, but it goes to show that there is a lot of power in taking something unique, for example, and then having a lot of people want to own it. 
It's been something that has been proven with uh, the B20 token of Beeple as well. One of the really mind-blowing elements also for me was uh, being able to issue out loans and borrow money um, with NFTs as collateral. So yeah, I started last year uh, loaning out money based on uh, NFT artwork or game items as collateral. And that was pretty mind-blowing concept as well. And this whole kind of um, borrowing and lending in NFTs is, as you say, really interesting. And so I'm interested to know, as a lender, are you doing it to, for, to, to potentially acquire the underlying asset cheaply um, by default? What, what's kind of the motivation of a lender to a borrower in this space? Yeah. So if I'm a lender, I am basically trying to get uh, interest of the money that uh, I have. So it's uh, I would say it's mo- it's a more safe way to uh, uh, to to lend out your money. And uh, as long as your collateral um, is high and is much higher than the amount you're lending out, then it's actually pretty safe because the other side won't want will want to repay the loan. Otherwise, they lose control of the asset. So if you're the lender. Uh, it's actually better for you if you price it right, if they default, because you get a much more valuable asset in return. And presumably that's like highly specialized for you to be able to price that collateral, right? You, you as the borrower have to price that yourself independently at the moment, right? Yep, that's right. Um, so you were talking, so in in context of DeFi and where NFTs are collateral, could you talk us through how that can allow for a form of financial inclusion around digital wealth, perhaps specific to gaming but play to earn, but maybe more generally? Yeah, so the interesting thing about play to earn is that uh, through the kind of act of gaming, which you know billions of people around the world can do, you can actually enable financial inclusion by by the element of having NFTs that earn yield. So for example, um, with what we're doing, playing Axie Infinity, uh, if you have three Axies and form a team, you can go out and play and win a game and earn SLP, which is a small love potion, which is an ERC20 token that you can uh, swap back to ETH and eventually for fiat. What happened last year here in the Philippines in the early stages of the COVID lockdown was that a lot of people were stuck at home, laid off from their jobs, unemployed, running out of choices and getting desperate. And they started noticing that you know, some of their neighbors in, in the rural areas were actually making money playing this game. And these guys were, you know, didn't know anything about blockchain, didn't know what an Ethereum wallet was, but they knew that if they, had, if they could follow the steps and start playing this game, they could actually start earning money. So they went through the hoops, downloaded an Ethereum wallet, started playing Axie, got three, bought three Axies or borrowed them. And uh, in many times, they actually paid back the cost of these Axies in under a month from playing and earning SLP. And I guess that's because you need, you need the Axie to, to play the game. And obviously, the more valuable, the higher quality it is, um, the, the better your gameplay. And therefore, it's almost like a tool for that work. You, you don't want to lose it right but you still need to pay the rent and feed the family yeah yeah absolutely so um so what we've done since then is that we we've been acquiring axes that we've been lending out to people so that they could play the game without any upfront cost 
and then we do a revenue share of the SLP that they earn. Yeah, and I think this is one of the interesting things about Axis, right, is that, so I guess at face value, some people might say, God, that sounds awful. It's like a form of digital serfdom. You know, you've got these poor people in rural communities and they're being paid to just churn away on a computer. Um, and, you know, there's somebody on the other side, the capitalist, that is profiting from their labor. But it doesn't quite work like that, right? I mean, the idea is you have to, you can't just be a passive capitalist in axes. You have to create jobs. You have to create work, right? Uh, absolutely. So the way we see it is that people are actually becoming their own entrepreneurs because they are using their own work. And uh, they actually have uh, the biggest difference between a sweatshop and uh, the current play-to-earn model is that people have upside of what they're earning. So if you look at a model like Uber, right? Like people are paid by the hour and there is no real upside for them to what they're doing. But because people are earning these tokens, which you know may of course go up and down or in value, but they can turn that into ether, for example, or they can buy land with it. Uh, what, what we're seeing is that once people get past uh, earning for basically putting food on the table, they're actually turning into investors themselves. And this kind of rise of the micro investor because of play to earn is possibly like the most important movement I've seen in, in my entire career. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really powerful. So let's, let's, go, let's jump into Axis. It sounds like Axis has been an important moment, an important innovation for you in the context of NFTs. Um, could you talk us through... Um, the story of Axis. Sure. Um, yeah, so I was an early community member of Axie Infinity. So what happened was that uh, Jiho is one of the co-founders and the growth lead. Uh, he and I met through uh, the blockchain conferences in 2018, and I invited him to Manila to speak about Axie in late 2018. And like at the end of that conference, he gave me three Axies so that I could start playing. And it was really from there that I was hooked. Like the best thing about Axie is that like more than, you know, like the art is pretty cool. The game mechanics are, are pretty deep. But the best part about it is this really, really, really strong community that is around it. And this is the community that has, a lot of them have been there since 2018, powered through the bear market, bought land in the initial land sale in 2019, weathered the ups and downs with the team, and now that the NFT market is doing well, a lot of these early community members are actually started becoming wealthy on their own. There have been crypto funds that are buying land from early, from these early uh, NFT investors. And now they're suddenly liquid because they're selling hundreds of thousands of dollars worth, worth of digital land. And now they're reinvesting it into the Axie ecosystem, into the other NFT games. So it's such a beautiful sight to see how strong a community can be into uh, for a game. And I, have you got like any s stories that bring that to life? So, for example, um, you know, do you know of people, personally know of people, say, in these rural communities in the Philippines and like their journey? Because I'm interested to know, did they ever have any interest prior to crypto um, before they came across NFTs? Are NFTs the gateway into them understanding crypto and understanding sovereign wealth and all these kind of things and like how much has it transformed these people's lives 
So uh, for most of the players in our community, they're not here because of crypto. They're here because they know that they can play a game and earn money. And crypto just happens to be the rails, you know, by which they can participate in that. And I think that's that's kind of a very important distinction because we've been waiting for, you know, how does mass adoption happen? And it's actually, you know, like give a concrete use case. And even now, like the the way you're onboarded into a blockchain game is not very easy. You still need to download a wallet. There still needs to be a lot of onboarding. But because the benefit is so strong, I can play a game and I can earn money no matter, you know, if I'm in the province, I'm in a rural area. It's, yeah, it, it's such a kind of powerful motivator for people to, to go out and learn how to do this. Now, as, as far as I'm aware, like you, you probably at least need for, for play to earn in a NFT context, you at least need a smartphone and or an internet connection, which still precludes a lot of people on the planet. Um, how important to you do you think it is that NFTs have something like um, crypto voxels, for example, which is, I guess, the, ease, the, the most lo-fi way you can engage with this economy right so yeah definitely you still need the basics right so either a computer or a mobile phone you need internet so on the i would say on the financial access side what we're doing at yield guild is to take away that upfront cost by being able to lend those nfts to the player but i think what we're saying is that you know if we have these games that can run on for example like a hundred dollar android phone it actually massively lowers the barrier and one of the things that we're interested in exploring down the line is what if we can actually lend out these phones as well right then now anyone can participate in the kind of global crypto economy and the cost would not matter as long as you're able to learn a game learn how to win apply your own skills because that's still important and uh, yeah, just be plugged into this global metaverse economy. So like at this point in the history or evolution of NFTs, what are your hopes and fears? Mm -hmm. So it, it's been, I would say, accelerated really quickly, wherein NFTs have become media. And a lot of it has, uh, is due to crypto art, due to platforms like Nifty Gateway that have been I would say merging uh, popular culture with NFTs and fandom. So in a way, it's really accelerated beyond a lot of people's wildest dreams. I think the fear is kind of people like not really understanding a technology, and then uh, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of temptation to see it as a cash grab where you can easily earn some money by you know putting a famous name or face into an NFT, selling them into into their fans and then kind of going off and uh, doing the next project. So I think that's the biggest fear in that the greed will take over as we've seen in the ICO era in 2017. Definitely some of that, some of those elements are here. So I think for the people who are kind of part of the old guard, who've seen the kind of uh, crashes and burns and dips and valleys before, um, it's up to us to build a lasting infrastructure, not only in the technology, but also in the way we approach business, how to make money, how to welcome other people in the space so that we can make it as uh, sustainable as possible.
And then maybe finally, do you want to kind of just quickly shill specifically some of your projects? I know you've mentioned the Guild, Yield Guild, but like, do you want to talk through some of your games and, and how you are leveraging NFTs in, in your business and platform? Sure, yeah. So uh, so with Yield Guild, of course, we're playing Axie Infinity. Um, we're playing Formula One Delta Time, which is a racing game um, with, with a Formula One brand. So um, we have different car parts and we have an esports team that is competing with other people for uh, for rev token prices. We're playing a game called League of Kingdoms, which is a strategy game not far from a Clash of Clans. And uh, it's available on the app stores right now. What's very interesting is that the land in this game is owned, owned by the guild and the players in the guild are actually organized as a mini DAO within Yield Guild that are making the decisions on how, how to run the game and how to how the, the rewards in the game are, are, are spent. So th- those are the stuff that we're doing in Yield Guild. We're also investing in newer play-to-earn games like uh, Illuvium. Um, on the art side, uh, as you know, I'm part of the 100X Art Group, which has been a great group of um, art collectors that have banded together for several projects. We put up a uh, Nara Gallery along with my partner, uh, Goltra, uh, which is an art gallery that houses our collections. And um, part, of our, uh, part of our advocacy there is also to be able to spotlight up-and-coming NFT artists. So as part of Nara Gallery, we put up a small fund called the First Mint Fund, which pays for the gas cost of uh, Southeast Asian artists minting their first NFT. So yeah, so it's at firstmintfund.com and people can apply. If it's your first NFT and you're a Southeast Asian artist, we'll cover the cost for gas. Very cool. Gabby, thanks for everything you do for the space. Um, you've been instrumental in in helping me explore it, navigate it, and of course, like, you know, almost accidentally uh make the 100x thing happen like you it was it was, it was you and strawberry sith right that helped yeah. introduce me to the nft world and i'm very grateful such such a happy accident and so many wonderful things have come out of 100x art yeah absolutely thanks for coming on gabby all right so if you enjoyed that episode as much as i did please make sure you subscribe to the podcast like rate and review we're going to be dropping two of these a week so make sure you don't miss a beat and also follow us on at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the NFT time catch drop.